Well, hey, good morning, everybody. I want to welcome all of you to Plum Creek this morning, and I also want to thank our preschoolers for coming out here and being a part of our service today. Didn't those guys do a great job? I also want to thank our elementary kids for their music out in the gathering area in between services. There is just a lot of fun stuff happening this morning. And I really appreciate all of you who have played a part in making December a special month around here. I'm excited about what's coming over the next few weeks, and I'm also excited about kicking off this new series today. From now to the end of the year, we'll be going through a series called Love Does. And I don't normally do this, but I want to explain how we ended up doing this particular series. This is kind of a behind-the-scenes look at Plum Creek. See, every year... All of us ministers take a day, usually in the early summer, and we have an off-site meeting where we plan out the sermons for the coming year. And each one of us ministers comes to that meeting with a list of possible sermon ideas. And we get these ideas from different places, maybe from what God is teaching us personally or from what we see in our church or what we see in our world. But on this planning day, we all share these ideas, and then we talk And we pray about where God may be leading Plum Creek. And from there, we lay out the preaching calendar. So it was about a year and a half ago when this Love Does series made it onto our calendar. And the name of the series comes from a book by Bob Goff, which is a great book, by the way. And the the big idea is this. It's not enough to just think about love or talk about love. If we're going to love God's way... We need to stop talking and get to the doing part of our faith. And everybody on staff agreed this was a great idea, this would be a great focus leading up to Christmas. But why am I telling you this? Well, I'm telling you because I wanted you to know who on staff brought this idea to our meeting. If you know all five of us ministers here, you may already have a good guess. This love does idea came from our worship minister, Troy Mower. And it didn't just come from his head. It came from his heart. This is who Troy is. I've had the privilege of working with Troy for about four and a half years now, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that every week, Troy inspires me to love others better. See, I think most of us in in the area of showing love to others, I think most of us err on the side of just getting caught up in our own lives, not intentionally. We, we may have great intentions, but most of us don't reach out to others as much as we probably should. Troy's different, though. <laughs> Troy will err on the side of being there for others. Uh, I know that many of you have experienced this, and you could share specific examples and stories, and I could too. But Troy goes out of his way to connect with friends, with church members, and with total strangers. He also goes out of his way to tell them that God really loves them. I'm not saying that Troy's perfect, but he does show genuine love, and that quality really stands out in our world. And and I don't believe it happens by accident. I believe that Troy has encountered the love of Jesus, and because of that, he does his best to show that love to others. And really, that's the whole point of this series All month, we're going to look at God's kind of love, and then we're going to see how God can use us to show His love to others. And as we get started today, we need to differentiate between God's love 
and what the world has to offer. To be honest, the world's version of love is pretty weak. It comes with a catch. It says, hey, if there's nothing in it for me, I'm not interested. So when things get difficult or the warm and fuzzy feelings disappear, that weak kind of love just calls it quits. But that's not how it is with God. God's love is bold. It's daring. It's consistent. And some people may even view it as reckless or excessive or over the top. In a word, God's love is audacious. That's the title of today's message, Audacious Love. And you have to be careful to read that right. It's not bodacious love. It's audacious. So what does that kind of love look like? Well, here's the description we'll use today. An audacious love makes great sacrifices for others, whether they deserve it or not. Now, I want to ask you, when you read that description, how do you respond? What do you think about that? If you're a normal person, you may be thinking, well, I'd like to be on the receiving end of that kind of love, but uh, I'm not sure I want to give it. And that would make sense, but I'm telling you, this is how God works. Let's look at the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3:16, And I want to read this together. Let's read it out loud as a group. Can we do that? Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, for most of us, that verse can become so familiar, we lose sight of just how amazing it is. But let's think about this verse in light of the audacious love we're talking about. First, we said, an audacious love makes great sacrifices for others. So where do you see sacrifice in this verse? It's in the word gave, isn't it? God gave his one and only son to us. And in that one little word, gave, you can see the whole story of Christmas, can't you? At the first Christmas, God gave Jesus to the world. But for Jesus, coming to earth was a great sacrifice. Jesus was God, but he set aside many of the privileges that come from being God in order to make himself human. This event is called the Incarnation, and it was a downgrade that is just beyond our comprehension. The Bible tells us that the whole universe was made through Jesus, Colossians chapter 1, but he chose to become a helpless human baby. So already, that's one big sacrifice. But that word gave in John 3.16, that word includes more than just the Christmas story. When, when we read that God gave his one and only son, that also refers to the crucifixion. When Jesus gave up his very life on the cross, he agreed to suffer and endure the punishment of death so that we would have the chance to escape the punishment of eternal death. So in all of history, there has never been a greater gift than Jesus Christ. Christmas was the first stage of that gift. But then the crucifixion and the resurrection were the culmination of that gift. And even though we can receive this gift for free, we have to remember that it was very costly. It came at a great sacrifice. So already we have evidence of God's audacious love, but we're not done yet. Remember, remember our description 
An audacious love makes great sacrifices for others, whether they deserve it or not. We talked about the sacrifice, but what about that last part, the, the part about whether people deserve it or not? Well, let's go back to the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So do you see it? There's another word in this verse. This word tells us that God's love is not limited to those who deserve it. You know what the word is? It's the word whoever. Whoever. When we really focus on the meaning of that word, we start to realize how amazing God's love is. Think about it. Why would God use the word whoever? Doesn't he understand that a lot of people are downright unlovable? And doesn't he understand that a lot of people have done some pretty terrible things? Does he really mean to offer eternal life to anyone who's willing to believe and receive that gift? Well, the word is right there. It says, whoever. So that means no matter what your past looks like, no matter what you've done, God says, yes, this love is for you. This sacrifice is for you, too. And trust me, God knew exactly what he was doing when he gave us these words. We can prove that by looking at what happened in the centuries leading up to John 3.16. So before that verse, what had happened up to that point? Uh, had the world done anything to earn God's love? Actually, no. It, it was the opposite. For instance, you can look at the history of Israel, God's chosen people. If anyone had the opportunity to win God's love, it was Israel. God established a special relationship with Israel. He cared for them and protected them and gave them what they needed. And he, almost, he also promised to bless them greatly if they would just listen and obey. So how did Israel respond? Well, you can see their response all over the Old Testament. The history of Israel is a history of rebellion against God. Over and over again, they turned away from the one true God in order to worship false gods that were popular among their neighbors. Over and over again, they promised to change their ways, they promised to be faithful to God, but they just betrayed Him again and again. There's a powerful description of this pattern in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 9. And the writer here is speaking directly to God, and he's describing the history of Israel, and he says, they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They turned their backs on your law. They killed your prophets who had warned them in order to turn them back to you. They committed awful blasphemies. So you delivered them into the hands of their enemies who oppressed them. But when they were oppressed, they cried out to you. And from heaven you heard them, and in your great compassion you gave them deliverers who rescued them from the hand of their enemies. But as soon as they were at rest, they again did what was evil in your sight. Then you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they ruled over them. And when they cried out to you again, you heard from heaven, and in your compassion you delivered them time after time. It's kind of a circular pattern, isn't it? And that pattern played out for centuries before Nehemiah was written, but then it continued to play out in the centuries after Nehemiah. So put yourself in God's shoes. 
If you tried to work with a nation like that, like, like Israel, and you saw this pattern of repeated rebellion, what would you do? At some point, wouldn't you feel like you had the right to walk away? God had been, been so patient. He had given Israel so many chances, but they just squandered every opportunity. But this wasn't limited to just Israel, you know. You could look at any nation Every one of them, people in general, just had this tendency to do wrong. So this is the background. This is the history leading up to John 3.16. And you couldn't really blame God if this verse was worded very differently. John 3.16 could have said, for God did love the world at one time, but people threw his love away. And they proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that no one deserved his love. So for that reason, God just gave up and he allowed them all to perish. That's what the verse could have said. You see, there's something we all have to come to terms with, and it's this. God would be completely justified to give all of us what we deserve. And yes, we're all included in that. None of us has been completely faithful to God. All of us have chosen to sin and rebel against him at some point in our lives. But are we starting to see the audacity of God here? He says, they don't deserve my love. They will never deserve my love, but I will give it to them anyway. This plan is all about grace. This plan is what God enacted, where Jesus gets what we deserve so we can get what we don't deserve. It's a beautiful thing. If you've given your life to Jesus and, and you've experienced a life-changing relationship with him, you have received an amazing gift that you never deserved. And if you haven't received that gift yet, God still offers it to you. It's, it's for whoever, right? No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, what you've done, this grace is available to you. But then we also have to tell the rest of the story. What happens after a person receives this gift of salvation through Jesus? What happens after a person experiences the love of God? Well, this is another amazing plot twist. You might expect that person to say, wow, it seems like God will love me no matter what I do. So I guess I can just do whatever I want. You might expect this person to try to abuse God's grace and just get away with being as selfish as possible. But that's not how it works. When you've truly experienced God's love, you're not really wanting to abuse his grace. Here's what we see in scripture and in real life today. Audacious love inspires audacious love. When you really understand that God has given you something that you just don't deserve, you'll become a different person. You'll begin to love like God does. I'll give you an example. In the book of Luke, chapter 7, Jesus is having dinner with uh, a man named Simon, Simon the Pharisee. Simon is a respected leader. He's the kind of guy people looked up to. So Jesus and Simon are having this respectable dinner, and then all of a sudden, there's a major interruption. Luke 7, 37 says, A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, 
weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. So here you have a woman who lived a sinful life. She was most likely a prostitute. And she busts into this private dinner between Jesus and an important Pharisee. And she creates a scene that's embarrassing and rude and even scandalous. Listen to Simon's response. It says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Clearly, Simon thought this woman's actions were completely inappropriate, completely unacceptable. Simon would have turned her away, but Jesus didn't. And why not? We know why, don't we? Jesus was doing something audacious. In that moment, he sacrificed his public image in order to show love and acceptance to this woman, whether she deserved it or not. Somehow, this woman must have previously gotten the impression that Jesus would accept her despite her sin. Maybe she heard him preach. Maybe she saw how Jesus showed grace to other sinners. But the point is, this woman was changed by the love of Jesus. Audacious love inspires audacious love. Listen to what Jesus said to Simon the Pharisee. He said, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. That is such a powerful truth. When you know you've been forgiven much, you love much. That's why this woman was willing to make a great sacrifice for Jesus. She completely sacrificed her pride and all decorum. She also sacrificed a great deal of money. Some estimate this jar of perfume would have cost about a year's wages. But to her, those sacrifices didn't matter. She had received an audacious love, and she was willing to show audacious love. So now we have to bring this back around to us. For all of us who say we follow Jesus, for all who claim to belong to Christ, we have to ask ourselves, does anyone look at us and see an audacious love? People should see in us an awareness that we know we've been given a priceless gift that we don't deserve. We have been forgiven much. People should also see us extending that same love and forgiveness to others. People should see the love of God flowing out of us everywhere we go. So how is that going? Does anyone see that love in me? Does anyone see it in you? If not, we should just admit that we're kind of playing church. Uh, if we come to church every Sunday and we sing a few songs and listen to a message, but then we go out and we live with a love that's no different than the world's version, we've completely missed the boat. There's a great statement over in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, where the Apostle Paul says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love, action. 
The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So if my faith and my love have not translated into action, it doesn't count. So are you ready? Are you ready to let God use you to show his kind of love? Before you answer that, I need to remind you, this is not always easy. We all long to receive God's kind of love, but we're not always ready to give it. Here's what's so challenging. When you take on God's love, you're adopting the whoever model. It means showing that love to whoever is in your path, to whoever is willing to receive it. And that gets a little complicated, doesn't it? Let's make a short list of complications. Whoever means showing God's love to people that I have absolutely nothing in common with. Whoever means loving people that I don't understand. It's loving people that drive me crazy. It's loving people on the other side of the political fence. It even means showing God's love to people who have chosen to be my enemy. I realize that last one sounds really tough maybe even impossible. And I should clarify here, extending God's love to someone doesn't mean you let that person hurt you. It doesn't mean you allow yourself to be a a victim, but it does mean that you offer God's love whether they deserve it or not. That's the message of John 3, 16. And in case you're still unconvinced, Jesus spelled this out very, very clearly over in Luke chapter 6. In that passage, Jesus said, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back, then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Jesus shows us a different way to live and a different way to love. It's God's way. And it doesn't look like the world. It's audacious. So I'll ask you again. Are you ready? Are you ready to let God use you to show his kind of love? About a year and a half ago, when we put this series on the calendar, we knew that we needed some kind of practical way to live this out. You can't have a series called Love Does without actually doing something. But it was a a little challenging to figure out what that action step should be. Plum Creek is already showing the love of Christ in lots of different ways. But how is God calling us to come together as a church and reach out to others specifically in this season, in December of 2018? We really wrestled with that question. And for a long time, we weren't quite sure. We did have a few convictions, though. First, we knew that whatever this project would be, it it would have to meet a real need in the world. Second, this project had to be connected to our mission of leading people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And finally, this project should allow everyone at Plum Creek to get involved, including kids, 
So we looked at all kinds of possibilities, both locally and globally, everything from hurricane relief to feeding hungry children. But in the end, we came across an opportunity where we believe God has positioned us to show his love in a unique and powerful way. Over the next few weeks, and hopefully into the future, our church is teaming up with a ministry called WISH. WISH stands for Welcoming International Students Home. And this ministry focuses on students up at Northern Kentucky University. WISH is not really a Plum Creek thing, but people from our church have been instrumental in getting it started. Uh, Tom and Tony Schneller have played a key role, and then Brandon Hart and Abby Jenkins have provided leadership on the student side of things. And to start with, let me give you some background. You may already know this, but students come from all over the world to the United States to get a college education. And the number has really grown in recent years. Currently, over one million international students are attending U.S. universities. They come from more than 200 countries worldwide, from places like Japan, India, Saudi Arabia, China. And most of these students get a taste of American culture, and then they go back to their home countries. And this can be a very positive experience, but there's often a downside. Going to school in a foreign country it can leave you feeling isolated and lonely. And many of these students would love to build relationships with Americans, but that can be difficult and intimidating. So here's what happens. Over 70% of these international students spend four years at a university here, and they never see the inside of an American home. More than 70%, four years, never see the inside of an American home. So what we have here is an amazing opportunity. This is a chance for followers of Christ to show God's love in a tangible way by intentionally connecting with these students. We can show hospitality. We can build relationships and then see what God does from there. You know, many of these students come from countries where Christianity is very much in the minority, often a microscopic minority. And it would be difficult for all of us to go to all of those places and help them see who Jesus is. But in this case, the world is coming to our doorstep. We don't have to fly across an ocean. We can drive just a few miles down the road and share God's audacious love with others who need it. So here's the plan. In the month of December, we have two opportunities for you to get involved. Up at NKU, more than 50 students already participate in the WISH ministry. There's been a great response. But in total, there are about 500 international students on campus. Many of them won't go back home for Christmas, so this is a great time to show them some love. Now, the first part of our plan is to come together on Sunday, December 16th. That's two weeks from today. And we're going to put together care packages and welcome bags for these students. You've got an insert in your bulletin that has a list of the supplies that we need to collect. And all of them are fairly inexpensive. Uh, but we have a goal of 250 care packages, so we really need everyone to pitch in. You'll notice uh, a few larger items on the list, like bed sheets and pillows. And we're collecting those things because some of these students arrive in the U.S. without some of the basic items that they need. So you can sign up to bring one of those things by going to either display in the back of the room here, 
And you can pick up a card that says you're, you're committing to bring a pillow or a set of sheets or whatever. Now, we only have two weeks to collect these items, so we need to jump on this right away. We'll have a drop-off location in the gathering area starting next Sunday, and we'll still be collecting even on December 16th. But on that day, we'll have a slightly shorter worship service, and then we'll split up. We'll go all over the building to different stations where we will assemble these packages. Some of us will be baking, some of us will make no-sew blankets, some of us will put boxes together, some of us will make cards. We'll have something for everyone to do. We're inviting kids to participate too. So from elementary students on up, we'll all be together, first in the worship service and, and then after for the packing project. And uh, this will be both services. I am really looking forward to this day. I think it's gonna be a blast. But that's not all. We also wanna give you the chance to connect with these students in person. So the WISH ministry is hosting three separate events in the month of December where you could hang out with some students, start to build a relationship. On Saturday, December 15th, we're going bowling. On Friday, December 21st, a group will go ice skating up in Cincinnati at Fountain Square. On Wednesday, December 26th, a group will meet at the Creation Museum to go see the Christmas lights. And if you want to attend any of these events, here's what you do. First, you go to our website. Go to plumcreek.org wish. And then you sign up for the specific event that you want to attend. In some cases, space will be limited, so you don't want to wait to sign up. Then on the day of the event, you just show up at your location, and you'll be matched up with some students for that particular activity. From there, just be yourself. Just be friendly. Show hospitality. Let God use you to share his love. And in case you're wondering, these students, uh, they generally speak English very well, so you don't have to worry about basic communication. However, I will say that you can expect to encounter some cultural differences, but that's part of the fun. And like we said, we can't let cultural differences be a barrier because God's love is for whoever, right? I don't know if you can tell, but I'm super excited about all of this. And I'm so thankful for this opportunity to do more than just talk about God's love. Because just talking about it is not what counts. What counts is faith expressing itself through love. And not just any kind of love. But God's amazing and audacious love. So let's allow his love to flow through us this Christmas season. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. I thank you that it's different than the kind that comes naturally to us. Lord, we, we don't quite understand why you love us the way that you do, but we are grateful. We're so grateful for Jesus, for his sacrifice that makes it possible for us to have life and have hope. Lord, I pray for all of us who have experienced your love, to be different, to, to really show your love every day, wherever we go, whoever we're with. But Lord, we need the power of your spirit working in us in order for that to happen. So we pray for that. We also pray for anyone who may be here right now who has not yet experienced your love. I pray that they will receive that gift, even today. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
In just a moment, we're going to sing one of the most popular Christmas carols, O Come All Ye Faithful. And this is for anyone who belongs to Jesus. Come, come to him. Worship him. 